0: And now Michael Hans is going to continue our series in Patriarchs, so give it
1: up for him. Thank you, Bill. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, before I forget, uh, Bill said the, the VI meeting is actually after 11 o'clock. It's not after the service. It's at 11 o'clock, so it'll be uh, uh, in between services. So if you're interested in VI and Bill, uh, maybe go clean your office out. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in front of <laughs> no poor Bill, Bill. Okay, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's great to see you all. Um, we've been going through a patriarchs uh, series on the patriarchs, and I was looking at the schedule, and this series is going to wrap up in September of uh, seventeen. And uh, <clears throat> no, we're we're getting near the end of it, but. I want to start off this morning by asking a question, and I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, how many of you would say that you are the, the product of a dysfunctional family? If okay. If your hand isn't up, it shows your dysfunction, but listen to these, <laughs> listen to these quotes. Families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. <laughs> hey? Oh, we lost it. It's gone... Okay, I'm going to have to act that out. Okay, well, that's. uh, I'll let you guys, maybe, Bill, you can check in on that. Uh, Here's another quote. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) That's my favorite. Uh, For the first time ever, I was taking the family on the road. We stayed with my in-laws, which on life's list of experiences ranks right below sitting in a tub full of scissors. Ouch, don't try to visualize that. And then finally, uh, I think a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person in it. So that's no news flash to any of us that, that we, uh, as human beings, we're broken. We're broken as individuals, and, and consequently, we're, our, our, our families are broken. We're very uh, dysfunctional. And I'm curious, and here's another question, and this is a bit more personal maybe, but how many of you would say that uh, your life has been impacted by the dysfunction in your family, right? Don't you find that that's one of the challenges in in being a Christian and in following Jesus is that we look in the Bible and we see that you know, God lays it out for us. This, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. You know, the way we love, and, or the way, you know, the goal of loving the way Jesus loves, or serving the way Jesus serves, or obeying the way Jesus obeyed. And, but there's also, we look in the Bible, and we see all these promises of just all these blessings from God, how He loves us, uh, the plans He has for our lives. We look at the, that, you know, the high call, all those promises, and then we look at our lives, and we see the gap and that can, be, that can be a real struggle sometimes. Let me ask you another question, and don't, don't raise your hand for this one. Uh, this is more personal. <clears throat> How many of you would say that because of the brokenness in your life, the dysfunction in your family, that there are times, or maybe more often than not, that you feel disqualified from God's blessings? So don't, last night we actually had people raising their hands. But, but that, you, that you look at someone and you go, I can see God loving them but I really struggle in believing that He loves me. Or you feel disqualified from the plans of God, that you look at somebody else and you go, oh, I can totally see God using them. But, but I really don't see Him uh, using me. You know, we're, the truth is, we're all broken we're all in a place of desperate need. We're all, God is working in all of our lives, rescuing us, rebuilding, restoring, renewing. And, and you know, something I wanna just sort of step away from my notes for a sec, there's something that I have a growing concern for us as a, as a church community, as we gather together. And, and the concern is this, that, that, uh, that we, my concern is that we're missing out on God's work, on God's activity as we gather because we're embarrassed of our brokenness. And what I mean is pretty much every service, at the end of every service, we provide time, or leave time, because we wanna, we wanna pray for each other. Right, we wanna, we wanna, you know, God is that busy as, you know, during the service, and at the end we wanna respond to him and pray, you know, into what God's doing. And, uh, um, but my concern is that our, our pride keeps us in our seats, it keeps us from responding. I don't know how many times after a service I'll be, you know, back in the visitor's welcome and someone will come up to me and, and many times with, tear, whoops, with tears running down their cheeks, they'll say, oh, the message this morning or God came real close and just, oh, just nailed me. And I, as I listen to it, I have to be honest that in the back of my mind, I'm going, so why didn't you respond? Why didn't you get prayer? Because I believe that when, when something hits home when we're gathered together, that's God's way of saying, hey, I'm talking to you. I, this is what I'm working on in your life. I, you need to get prayer on this. You know, I really want to have a church culture where to get prayer, to, you know, to, to pray for one another, it's not a sign of weakness. But I want a church culture where that's a sign of wisdom. That's wisdom to go to God with your struggles and wherever he's working in your life. See, we have a problem uh, with our brokenness. We struggle with it, but God looks at it and He sees way more than we see in our lives. He sees it all. He doesn't have a problem with it at all. He's not surprised or shocked in any way. In fact, you know, when, when we look at our brokenness, far from disqualifying us, I think it qualifies us in God's activity. Listen to this, uh, look at the team that God chooses. This is 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. It says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. I mean, that's the kind of team he's looking for. And I don't know about you, but I think we all all fit into those categories. That's his team. And well, today we're going to look at a story. Uh, We're going to look at some people that are chosen people, God's chosen people that he's selected to be on his team, but they're incredibly broken. This family's incredibly dysfunctional, and you know, I think it's so important when we read the Bible to remember that these Bible characters are very real people. They're just like you, they're just like me, and what what I hope we learn from this story today are two things, one, that, that we would learn from their mistakes, we would look at you know, the messes in this family we'd learn from it. But then, more importantly, that we'd be encouraged today by God's faithfulness and God's activity in spite of the mess of their family. And so the title of my message is Broken People, Faithful God. And, and here's really the hook of the message and what I really believe for many of you, what you need to hear today. Because of brokenness in our lives, because of dysfunction in our families, many, I would say probably all of us, have, we have a limp. Right there's a limp. It's just you can't go through that without getting wounded. Many of us have scars. But what you really need to hear today is that those limps, those scars, they do not disqualify you from the blessings of God and the plans of God for your life. So let's let's pray, and then we'll we'll jump into Genesis. So, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you uh, for each one that's here, and uh, I take so much comfort in knowing, knowing that you know everybody. You know, as, as we slept last night, you were watching over us, loving us, pursuing us, and uh, protecting us. And Lord, I pray today that, that your presence would overwhelm us, that you would remind us again that you are not some old story that we just kind of, uh, you know, try to stir up some hope like, as we think back on you, but you are a present, fully alive God. And we pray today that you'd be personal with each one here. Lord, Just come have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in Genesis chapter 27, and I'm going to be reading some big chunks of scripture, so uh, you want to follow along. There's Bibles at the front, if you don't have a Bible, and we have Bibles at the back. But let's start with Genesis 27, verse 1, and here's what it says. It says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah, Isaac's wife, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing." His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. We'll stop there. <clears throat> okay. Now, all through this section that I've read, there's a theme and there's this thing. There's this thing called a blessing that it seems everybody's trying to get. Now, in all our culture, we look at that and we go, like, what's the big deal? You know, the dad's gonna pray for his son. He's gonna say some nice things to his son. But in this culture, and at this time, the blessing was a huge deal. We have to think of the blessing like this is this is Isaac's last, <clears throat> excuse me. This is Isaac's last will and testament. And traditionally, this would be something the father on his deathbed would call all his sons together. They'd all gather around and, and, and he would speak out the blessing. He'd speak out basically you know, his will and, his, uh, and, and the other brothers and people would be there to be witnesses to, this, to the blessing so they would hear what was said. Uh, and, it was, and it was believed that what the father had to say to the son would, would, would impact his destiny. And sorry, ladies, if you were a daughter... You you got nothing, but uh, we'll move on. But now, these these blessings that these fathers would give over their sons uh, weren't weren't always prophetic, meaning God, in, like literally the father was speaking for God. But in the in the blessing we're going to look at today, you'll see that it very much was the, was prophetic in the blessing of God. So you got this blessing. that that everybody's trying to get, and as we look at this family, I want to look at just how incredibly dysfunctional and broken this family is. So we'll start with Isaac. Here's Isaac. The truth is, yes, he's an old man. Yes, he's gone blind, but Isaac is far from dying. He's not on his deathbed. In fact, he has years of life ahead of him, so he's called this secret. He's doing a stealth Blessing. It's supposed to be, you know, gather all the sons, but he's just invited Esau. And what we see Isaac doing is he's forcing his desire. He's forcing what he wants by blessing Esau. Because if you remember a couple chapters ago, when Rebekah was pregnant with these two sons, God spoke to Rebekah and said, Hey, you got, you know, you got two nations in your womb, and I want you to know that the older is going to serve the younger. I have chosen Jacob. Now, Rebecca would have shared that with, with, with her husband. Isaac would have known that, but here he is forcing in secret what he wants by blessing his son Esau. And then you have Esau, who uh, JT talked about last weekend, and, and he, Esau, was Isaac's favorite son. And yet, it's interesting that, that Esau was not, a, he was not a good son. You know, uh, I think it was one chapter ago, we found out that, that Esau... Against his parents' wishes, he went out and married a couple foreign women. That, that was really offensive to his parents. Remember last weekend, JT talked about how Esau squandered, gave away his birthright, gave away his inheritance for, you know, for a bowl of soup. Uh, you look into, into the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, as, as, as he's looking back on this man Esau, he refers to Esau this way, as an immoral and godless man. That's not a good thing, right? That's a broken man. And then you've got Rebecca, this is Isaac's wife. And she wasn't, she didn't just happen to be walking by and heard what was going on. She was eavesdropping. If you remember Sarah, it seems to run in the family, but she was eavesdropping on this, and and when you look at when she hears, oh, He's called for Esau. It shows the way that she you know, just immediately kicks into action. I mean, this is one resourceful woman. You know what it tells me? It tells me that her plan was all premeditated because she knew this day would come. I mean, what does it say about Isaac and Rebecca's marriage? All these secrets, all these, well, you're going you're to, you know, you want this, but I want that. All this scheming going on. She had it all planned. She had the secret recipe. She got it from the colonel. She, she knew just what to do about the whole hair issue. And, and, and it's amazing to me, and again, what does it say about their marriage? That she seemingly had no problem at all pulling the wool over Isaac's blind eyes. I mean, this is, this is a very dysfunctional family. And then finally, we have Jacob, who was uh, Rebecca's favorite. He was a mama's boy. And he was the guy, again, last week, he scammed Esau out of his birthright. And uh, his name, Jacob, you know, means the deceiver. And, and, and it's interesting to me, and doesn't it say a lot about, uh, about Jacob, that as his mother goes, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to dupe your father. It's interesting to me that, that Jacob's response isn't, Mom, uh, isn't this wrong? But his whole concern is, is, well, what if I get caught? That's all he was concerned about. So you've got this very dysfunctional family, very broken family. And so the question I ask is, how is this possible? I mean, these are God's chosen people. right? These are, th- these, this family is like one generation away from, from Abraham. You know, all these supernatural visitations from God, all these promises, all these ways that God has shown himself faithful. And I'm looking at him going, how is it possible that this family is just unraveling? Well, we get, we get a hint in this. We get a hint not so much in what is said, but what isn't said. Because when you look in, in uh, chapter 27, one of the things that stands out is that, uh, or that you'll notice, is that uh, God is silent in this chapter. It's like God has stepped back from the situation and He's He's just watching it happen. And, and you know, if you look in Genesis, the, the chapters leading up to 27, the chapters after 27, there's lots of activity where God is speaking, but in 27, he's silent. Uh, the only time his name or name is mentioned, it's mentioned twice, the first time Jacob mentions it in a lie, really in a blasphemous lie, and then the second time God's name shows up in this chapter is when Isaac is giving this, you know, deceptive, manipulative blessing, so how is it possible that this family, so, you know, so close to Abraham and all that God has done, how is it possible that they are just so broken and dysfunctional, well, it says in your notes there, number one, it says, godlessness breeds dysfunction, Godlessness breeds dysfunction. And so I said earlier, like, what can we learn from their mistakes? And here's what I mean. You know, when we say to God, and we see it so much in the story, when we're looking at God and for whatever reason we have decided that we just don't trust Him anymore, or we've lost confidence in Him, in, you know, or we just don't agree with His timetable, or, but if we look at God and we've decided that we know better that now we want to be the boss, it's like move over God, I'm driving. Whenever that happens, brokenness in our lives and in our relationships is soon to follow. Godlessness breeds dysfunction. I don't know how many times when as a pastor, you know, I'll, I'll have a conversation with someone and, and you know, there's some struggles or issues in their life or maybe they're concerned about a friend or you know, a loved one and you know, they'll be sharing the, the different issues. One of the things that I will ask a lot, I won't ask it this way directly, but what I'm trying to find out in their life or in this person's life is, well, well, who's the boss in your life? Who's the boss in this person's life? And what I mean is, who in your life has the authority to get in your face and say, you need to stop that? What you're doing is wrong. The path that you're on is, is wrong. You need to stop what you're doing. Well, what I've seen over and over, and I've seen it in my own life, but over and over I've seen people who we've made the decision that, no, I'm the boss. I'm going to drive. And we're and we're surprised by the fact that we keep crashing as we just keep running through all these stop lights and all these stop signs where people who care about us are coming saying, don't do that. You don't want to do this. This is a bad decision. This is a bad choice. But because we've decided that we're the boss and that we know best and that we want what we want, well, that's godlessness. We've bumped him out of the steer, away from the steering wheel, and we're driving, and that breeds dysfunction. And, you know, it's interesting that many of the commentaries that I read this week, uh, it, it, it talked about Isaac, and it said that one of the reasons why Isaac favored Esau, Esau was his favorite son, one of the reasons why Isaac favored Esau was simply because he loved the food. That Esau made huh. He'd go out, he was a hunter, right? He'd go, you know, he would uh, You can tell I'm a hunter, hey, the way I did that Okay, but uh, just trying to make it interesting But he'd go out, kill wild game And he had, you know, he'd cook it up And his father loved it And one of the, uh, listen to this quote about Isaac It said, his palate had long since governed his heart you know, as I, as I read that, I whipped by it, and then I stopped, and I went back, and I read it again, I just thought, you know, his appetite, his appetite was, was sort of sitting on the throne of his heart. That's why, you know, that was, how do, how do I make decisions in life? Well, let's check with my appetite. I mean, and so a good question would be, what appetite is controlling your life? Right, and as I read that, I, or thought that through this week, I found that very convicting. Because I sat there and I thought, what consumes my thoughts, right? What just seems to always bump into my mind and and, and fill my thoughts, or you know, I, I, uh, uh, as I'm going about the week, going about you know life, or whatever you're doing. Just what is it that constantly is on your mind? What is it that somewhere deep inside you're like, man, I want that so bad. What is it that that if you can't have it, or if it's taken away from you? Makes you angry or makes you pout, right? What, what, what appetite is controlling your life? Listen to this uh, out of James 4. It, said what, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you do ask God, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, what would save you and me and, and, and the people close to us a lot of heartache is if we would memorize and, and repeat this, this little prayer over and over. And here's the little prayer. Uh, God, what do you think? Just a simple little prayer to make it just part of your, your, process, you know, your, your thought process. God, what do you think for me? Here I am and I have to make a decision here. What do you think? I know what I think. I know what I'd love to do, but what do you think? Right? Who's driving? Who's the boss? I'm looking at my child and we're making decisions in their life and I know what I think. I know what my hope is for my child, but what do you think? Or it's your finances or it's your health to ask that question. God, uh, what do you think? You know, when I look at this story... In Genesis and just this this dysfunctional family wouldn't the story have been so different wouldn't it have changed for the better if one of these four people would have you know come running into the the tent and said stop we need to stop this is crazy we are out of control everyone's driving in every direction wanting what they wanted let's ask God what he wants wouldn't that have changed the story wouldn't that impact your story your life. Well, unfortunately in this story they didn't do that, so let's read on. Verse 18 says, he went, uh, Jacob went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son. He answered, Who is it? Jacob said or lied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, oh, Well, how did you find it so quickly, My son. The Lord, your God, gave me success, he lied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not, because I'm not sure I'm buying this. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, Hmm, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy, like, uh, like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really, my son Esau, he asked. I am, he lied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son, Esau, he thought, is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you, be blessed. And you know, godlessness breeds dysfunction. But you know, and uh, godlessness also makes us incredibly vulnerable to deception. Because I look at Isaac; he's about to give the blessing, and again, this is like this is the big deal blessing. This is the you know his the 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 will, his last will and testament. He's about to give this away, and instead of consulting God, what does he do? He, he's basing his decision on on his senses on his touch, on his taste, on his smell. So what can we learn from them? We we can learn uh, that we need to get out of the driver's seat and let God drive. And then number two, we can also be encouraged that in the midst of all the scheming and deception that we see in this story, that we see in our own lives, that God is still in charge and he's working his plan. So in your notes there, it says God is sovereign. And sovereign means that he is he is the supreme being, he is the 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 supreme authority over everything. Or, or a real a deep theological phrase is he is large and in charge. Mm, I'm going deep. So here we see Isaac is forcing his plans and he's thinking he's got it all figured out, it's gonna work, I did it, I'm, here I am, I think I'm blessing Esau, but what is he doing? He is literally falling right into what God intended in the first place. And here he is passing on the blessing that God intended for Jacob, and here he's giving it to him, uh, to, to, to Jacob instead of Esau. And, and again, God is sovereign. What he wants done will be done. And you know, when I think back to a story in the book of Acts. When Remember when the disciples, this is after Jesus had ascended back into heaven and, and they've gathered together and, and they're looking back on the, you know, the weeks that had just transpired and they're thinking back to when you know, Jesus, their, their leader, their rabbi, their God, when they, they saw him arrested, they saw him you know, go to trial and all the injustice and all the beatings and all that he endured, they saw him killed on a, on a, on a cross but then they also saw him resurrected and fully alive. Listen to this prayer that they pray in, in Acts chapter 4. It says, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel and this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Now listen to this. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. I mean, think about that. They're, they're looking back on all that they saw, and they're going, Man, you were in control the whole time. Now, it certainly didn't look like he was control, in control, did it, from their perspective? And what's going on in your life right now, where from your perspective you're like, this is out of control. And, and you know, you're, you're, as far as your understanding of God's activity in your life right now may be, I think he's on vacation. I don't think he's aware at all. But the truth is, God is sovereign. And be encouraged today that, that whatever's going on, the, distract, the, the dysfunction, the brokenness, the struggle, the, 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 you know, the huge waves that are just getting ready to crash on you, whatever's going on, that God is not distracted, God is not limited, God, the plans of God for you will be accomplished. We have Philippians 1, 1.6, one of my favorite verses, that He is faithful to finish what? The work He started in us. We have His promise. And you know, our job in all of this it's just to keep our eyes on Him and to let Him drive. And whenever you grab the steering wheel, it's like, it's like, nope. No, I'm backing off. Our job is just to let go of the steering wheel and let him drive. And you know, I, as I was prepping this week, at, at this point, I felt like God sort of nudged me. And, uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I want to share something real quickly that I think there's people here today that I, that I, I really feel like the Lord wanted, to give me, uh, wanted me to give you a warning. That for some people today, that when you look at your life, you see it just feels like it's constant struggle. You know, if we want to use the analogy of of driving, you feel like you're constantly crashing the car of your life. And what I feel like the Lord was saying is that, well, uh, the primary reason why the struggle's there, and this isn't for everyone that's struggling, but there's some people today that the primary reason for the struggle is because you refuse to let go of the steering wheel of your life. You refuse to let anyone step in your life and say, you need to stop. This is going to hurt you. This is going to hurt the people close to you. You need to stop, slide over, I guess this way, slide over and let me drive. And there's a story in Acts 5, and if this is ringing true in your heart, go home today and read Acts chapter 5, where literally this guy stands up and he just says to these people, he warns these people, be careful, because if you continue on the path that you're on, you may find yourself fighting against God. and That's not a battle you want so if that's you, I just encourage you, well, actually, if that's you, come see me after the service, and I'd just love to, to talk with you and, and, and just share a little bit more, but, but take that to heart if, that, if that's, uh, uh, you know, registering with you. So back to the story. All this scheming, all this deception, everyone wants what they want, but in spite of the brokenness, God's plan is accomplished, God is sovereign, so let's read on in the story. Verse 30 says this. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently. And he said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. I've spoken it out. It's done. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing." Esau said, "'Isn't he rightly named Jacob?' means deceiver. "'This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. "'He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. "'Then he said, "'Haven't you reserved any blessing for me?' "'Isaac answered Esau, "'I have made him lord over you "'and have made all his relatives his servants, "'and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. "'So what can I possibly do for you, my son?' Esau said to his father, and just hear the pain in this. Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Like, that is intense. My heart, I find even as I've read it so many times this week, my heart just goes out to Esau. Just the pain of, like, you don't have one blessing left? Right, and and if you're in the story, and we won't finish the story, but as it goes on, the blessing that Isaac gives Esau, it's really more of a curse than a blessing, but you can just hear the pain in Esau, like, I can't believe it, I've missed, it's like, you know, my ship's come in and there I am standing at the airport, right, I just, it just seems like, like, like everything has been taken from me, and don't you find uh, that we feel that way a lot? especially when we look at the brokenness, we look at the dysfunction in our lives, in our families, there's a sense of, oh, we've missed the opportunity. You know, maybe it's something in the past, maybe it's something in the present, if only that hadn't happened, or if only this wasn't happening, then, you know, I, like there's this sense of, we feel like Esau, that there's, there's just one blessing to go around, and I missed out. I didn't get it. Well, we can be thankful that the truth is that God is a gracious, generous God. And his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his blessing, there's, they never run out. You know, I think sometimes we look at God like, like the shopping channel, where in the corner it's like seven left, four left. And you're in line, you're like there's no lines, there's no lineups in front of God, Right? But you're sort of standing there going, oh, there's only four more and there's five people. Oh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. There are no lineups in front of God. I mean, God can do that. All these people gather together. Right now, it's just you. It's just you before the Lord. You don't have to, you know, jockey. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to, you don't have to you know, beat someone to it. Romans 5 verse 20 says this, but where sin increased, where brokenness increased, where dysfunction increased, grace increased all the more. You need to think of whatever's going on in your life or in your family line, all these things, know that God is always greater than. And you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about in worship. What is the sign for greater than? Like that, right? Isn't that interesting when we raise our hands to the Lord? You see it? You're greater than. I was singing that this morning. I was I had my hands like that, and I thought, you're greater than. You're always greater than. I might write a book about that. No, I wouldn't do that. A lot of people do though. But, anyways, <laughs> God is always greater than. We don't have to fight for a blessing. Our limps, our scars, the brokenness of our family does not disqualify us from his blessings from the plans that he has for you. And so here's what we're going to do to end off our service. We're going to do something a little different. I've invited a bunch of small group leaders, men's group, women's group, mixed groups, etc. And if you want to, small group leaders, if you want to start moving around the room, like maybe some in the back, some on the sides, some on this side, some across the front, so you're going to, probably going to have to stand up. So if you're a small group leader, just move around the room, and why don't we lock the doors? <laughs> now, I hope there's a lot of, Prayers because last night it was like, oh, great, we're going to be fine. So move around the room, make sure you're spread out, some across the front, the side, some across the back, and ah, oh, this is perfect. Okay. So here's how we're going to end off. JT's going to, uh, some, yeah, he's, going to, he's just going to lead us in worship. He'll just, he's got some songs, he'll lead us through that. I've asked these uh, leaders to come, and I've asked them to do this very simply. That the theme of today is it's all about blessing, and, and we see people fighting over a blessing. But God's like, my children don't have to fight over my blessing. And so I, I've invited all these guys to uh, to come, and they're going to pray blessings over all of us. And so here's how it's going to work. JT's going to once uh, he starts playing a song, you just need to get up. If your small group leader is up here, feel free to go to them. Or if you see someone else that looks more powerful, I'd go to them. <laughs> That's a confidence boost, hey? But just walk up to them. They're going to ask you your name, and then, and that's it. It's not an interview. They're just going to ask your name. Then they're going to you know, put their hand on your shoulder, and they're going to invite the Holy Spirit, and they're just going to listen. And then they're just going to pray a blessing over you. You know, Joe, I bless, and they're just going to speak over you. And here's the thing, that they're going to speak truth over you. And one of the wonderful things about the truth of God spoken over you, a blessing spoken over you, it's powerful. It will impact the destiny of your life because God has a plan for everyone's life in this room and God knows the struggle. He knows where the enemy is trying to stop and that plan in your life. And today I believe that through these people, God is going to speak and he's going to bless you. So, uh, and I know I, I look out and I see, I, I see there's some visitors here today. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> I believe there's, it's no coincidence that you're here today. And I would just warmly invite you to, to participate in this. You know, so as JT starts to play, you know, we'll just get up, move around the room. And here's the thing. Once you're done, and it, and it should only take, you know, a minute or two, then just go back to your seat and just enter into worship. Ponder what was said to you. Think it over. If, you, if it's something, you know, write it down or put it in your phone, something to really maul over. But just go back. We'll worship. So we've got, you know, we've got... A little over 10 minutes here, about 13 actually, to be precise. So why don't we all stand up? Uh, I think I've given all the instructions. Yep. So let me pray for us. And, uh, and then you can start moving around. Oh. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. And Lord, we, we welcome uh, your blessing. I pray that this room would just be saturated with the truth, the love, the blessings of God. Lord, come, and I pray that today you would, you would tear labels off of people, labels of failure, labels of condemnation. Lord, I pray that today through, through, the, through truth being spoken, through blessings being spoken over us, that you would, you would change the destinies of our lives. So Lord, Come come and speak through your people in Jesus name amen so feel free to go around and I'll keep an eye on it. and at the end of the service I will I'll end us off and you know as people line up don't be put off just st- as you stand in the line just be worshiping singing along if you're in a huge line look around the room there might be a shorter line Uh, uh, you can shift over to somebody else, but don't miss out on this. There's no place. There's no place I would rather be.
0: No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. And here in your love, here no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Here in your love. Here in your, your love. love. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. It's more of you, God. It's no place. It's no place I would rather be. It's no place I would rather be. I would rather be here in your love, here in your love. No place I would rather be, no place I would rather be, no place I would rather be than here in your love. I, I want More
1: of you, God. So I just encourage you to really, you know, we still got time, we're just going to continue to worship, just to really let what was spoken to you, just let it, just encourage you to let it just wash over you, and let it roll around in your heart and your mind, and if you're in a long line, look around, there's lots of people that are, would love to pray for you, but we'll just continue, and for a few more minutes now, and then I'll end us off, but just really press into the Lord and, and what He's speaking today, so.
0: one Jesus Jeez.
1: Isn't this cool? I was just sitting back here thinking thinking we could do this every Sunday. Just think as you're walking through the lobby, you're during worship, you look over and you see somebody and the Lord says something says, "Go and bless that person." Wouldn't that be cool to just walk over to someone, "Hey, could I just pray for you real quick?" So I want to deputize us all. Wouldn't it be great just to, you know, constantly we're blessing, we're reminding one another that you're loved you're chosen, that you're not disqualified, that you're on his team, that, that we could bless and remind each other of just the blessings of God. Let me pray for us just to end off our service, and uh, uh, again, if you're still lined up and getting prayer, don't please don't end off, um, or, or uh, just please be patient, and, and we'll pray for you. But let's pray. We'll end off our service. Lord, thank you for, <clears throat> thank you that you are such a loving Father that your kids do not have to scheme and lie to get your blessings. Lord, thank you that uh, as we come before you, we, we all stand before you. There's no lining, no uh, jostling for position. And I pray that just that truth uh, would be so freeing for us. You love us, you know us. Our brokenness does not disqualify us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Just that's a hard tension for us as humans, when we see the struggle and the brokenness in our lives and our families, and yet to say, "But, but I'm chosen, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I'm precious. That's hard to see sometimes. But I pray you'd help us to, to walk this world, but to walk it as your children. Lord, so thank you for all the truth, all the blessings that were spoken today. I pray that they would go deep into the soil of our hearts, or that they'd grow big and, st- and <laughs> big and strong. Father, thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, bless.